We're continuing looking at the book of James. We've been kind of slow walking through James. There's so much meat to it. And so we're going to kind of, we're looking at one of the more, um, I don't know if it's controversial, but maybe misunderstood verses in scripture today. And so if you have your Bibles, turn to chapter two of James, and we're going to kind of walk through a few verses today. Uh, one of which is, is quite um, easy to misunderstand. So we're going to talk about that. Thank you, Dwayne, for preaching last week for me. And I had a chance to go home to Kentucky and see my mother, and that was good. And I was there when Kentucky beat number one Tennessee, which was awesome. And uh, I'm pretty sure uh, the reason they won was because I was there. Uh, so uh, I'd like to take credit for the victory, and uh, that's it. Okay, um, this right here, um, for those uh, of us from the South, that's not a fiddle. Uh, it's a violin. Okay, there's a kind of a difference, evidently. And this is um, a Stradivarius. And you know that because on the inside it says... Stradivarius. Now, uh, Pawn Stars, how many of y'all have seen this show? It's been on the History Channel for years and years and years. You all know the concept. They, people bring stuff in and they want to, to barter, or, or not barter, but to uh, uh, haggle about a price. And um, Rick always says, well, I've got an expert and I should go you know, get the expert to come in. So one guy brought in a violin. He had found in a cabinet or a, a chest in a barn in a house that he bought, and it had Stradivarius on it. So Rick was like, well, you know this is going to be worth a lot of money if it's really a Stradivarius, and the guy said, yes, I'd like a million dollars for it. And so before he pays a million, he gets the expert to come in. And, and evidently, now you know that this uh, maker, Stradivarius, or Stradivaria was his name, um, made several hundred of these. There, are, there aren't many that... There are a lot of them out there, several hundred, and they're all worth lots and lots of money. There was one sold in uh, 2011 for $15.9 million. So these things are crazy expensive. So if you find one in a cabinet in a farmhouse that you buy, uh, you're, you're going to want to know that it's real. So the guy came in, and he looked at it, and he said, he, he, this is the quote that got me. He said, just because something has a label doesn't make it real. This thing, the one that this guy had brought in, was a replica. It had been built in the late, uh, early 1900s. It was worth five or six hundred dollars. Just because it has a label doesn't make it real. And, and this is what James says in the text about Christians. He says this, What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? If you slap the label Christian on you, but you don't act Christianly, what good is it, is, is what James says here. And it's controversial because we don't believe that you're saved by what you do, but we do believe that once you're saved, you'll do things that look like Christ. And so it's the you know, chicken and the egg argument a little bit. It's like, well, which comes first, faith or works? And and some people build the argument around, I have to work my way to salvation. And others say, no, it doesn't matter what you do as long as you have faith. And, and James would say, well, it's, it's, it, it's neither, it, or it's both. You, you have to have faith, but faith will be demonstrated in what you do. It's not just faith. Uh, you have to have works. It's not just works. You have to have faith. Uh, there's something called um, stolen valor. This is a guy named Keith Hudson. He lives in Charleston. And um, he was convicted uh, recently. He had claimed to be a Vietnam veteran. He had also claimed to have had two Purple Hearts, neither of which was true. He had never even actually been in, in uh, 
in war at all, and, and he hadn't been in the military at all. But he had collected $200,000 in VA benefits because he claimed to be something that he wasn't. Uh, stolen valor is what that's called. So today we're going to look at this passage that some people have sort of said, hey, this, it's not what you think. So I want to put two verses up kind of together, and I want to show you something. We who follow Christ believe Paul wrote this, James wrote James, Paul wrote this, Paul was another guy, he was a follower of Jesus, he writes much of the New Testament, he says, for it is by grace you've been saved through faith, it is not of yourself, it is a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. All right, so it's all about faith. Now, look at this in comparison to James. James says, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by works, is dead. So this is where the confusion occurs. But you have to understand, these guys are talking about two different things. Paul was dealing with people who said basically you had to be Jewish before you could be a Christian. There were certain works you had to do. For men, that meant circumcision. You talk about uh, uh, bending the curve down on, on conversions for men. Uh, you know, hey, you had to be circumcised to be, to be a Christian. That would really bend the curve down. Um, but there were folks who were saying you have to be Jewish before you can be a Christian. It, it, this, it's, a, it's an act before faith. And Paul was like, no, 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 no. It's not by works. So it's not about... It's not about salvation by works. James, on the other hand, wasn't dealing with the same issue. He wasn't dealing with legalism. He was dealing with people who were claiming to be Christians but weren't actually doing anything about it. They were using the same word, works. They were just using it in different ways. We do that in English all the time. We say, you know, I love a chili cheese dog and I love my, my daughter. Well, okay, <laughs> It's the same word, but hopefully you mean something different by the use of the word. Or you can say, uh, I, I ran into my friend at, at Walmart. That means something completely different than I ran into a telephone pole with my car. It, it's the same expression, but it something, means something different. So when Paul uses the word works here, he's not talking about um, anything other than he's, he's talking about um, the, the root of salvation isn't in works. What James is talking about is the fruit of salvation is works. It, it, you do something. When you become a follower of Jesus, it means you do something. You, you express it. It's not, uh, works isn't how you become a believer. It's how you show that you're a believer. And so, look at these phrases. They're in a, a specific order for a specific reason. For it is by grace that you've been saved through faith... And this is not of yourself, it is a gift of God, not by works. Our salvation comes when we place our faith in Christ. But once we do that, that is a commitment that we're making, and because we've made a commitment, that means we're going to do certain things. So James goes on to explain what real faith looks like. It's really, it's really good and profound. And honestly, this is something we need to deal with internally how do I know I'm a Christian? When I go to the airport, I have to show identification to get on the plane. They don't just let you walk on anymore. Uh, so you have to have some form of ID. You have to have a driver's license, 
Elise doesn't have a driver's license yet, but she does have a passport. So if we're going to go someplace, we take her passport. You have to have ID to get on an airplane. Okay, so what, what, what things identify you, what things identify me as a Christian? That's what we're going to talk about today. So there are four things it's not and one thing that it is. And so let's, we'll start with, because James does it this way, let's start with what it's not. The first thing it's not. Real faith looks like this. Real faith is more than words. It's not just words. And he says this. What good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith but don't show your actions? Can that kind of faith save anyone? Here's the deal. 75% of Americans, last poll, uh, claimed to be Christian in some form. 75% of Americans. And in fact... One-third of the population of the world, about 2.2 billion people, claim Christ. Now, it's easy. If you, remember, let's go back to the Stradivarius. Just because you have the label doesn't mean you're genuine. And so Paul wants to, to deal with this. Hey, just because you say it doesn't mean it's true. And so you might wear uh, you know, a cross necklace. You might have a Christian uh, a tattoo. You, know, the, the, you might have a Jesus fish on your car. The other day, I, I passed a guy, and he had a honk if you love Jesus uh, bumper sticker, and I honked, and he flipped me off. Uh, so uh, just, because, just because you have the decals doesn't mean it's real. And, and Jesus put it this way, and man, this is you talk about startling. Jesus says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Just because I say it doesn't make it true. And, and this is James is dealing with here. Not everyone who professes Christ follows Christ. So let's go back to our verse. What good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith but don't show it by your actions? Talk is cheap. So real faith is more than just words. Real faith is more than just a feeling. As the great theologians Boston once said, it's more than a feeling. Right? I mean, uh, being, some people get emotional around faith. And they, they come and they, uh, the songs make them feel good. And they get a quiver in their liver, you know. And they get all excited about something. And, and it's emotional. But it's more than emotion as well. Look at what it says here. Suppose you see a brother or sister uh, who has no food or clothing, and you say goodbye, and have a good day, stay warm and eat well, but then you don't give that person any food or drink. And James is implying this is wrong. Now, I'm going to use an illustration that's much more effective. When I lived in, in Michigan, this one really worked. It may not work here as well. But let's suppose if it ever snowed here, which what, it snows like an inch a year, and we freak out. But anyway, uh, in Michigan it snows a lot, and it really is cold. But let's say, just, just, for, just for argument's sake, just play along with me. Uh, we, we get a blizzard here. <laughs> it, I can't even say it. Uh, we get a blizzard here, and it's, you know, you get a blizzard, and it's three inches. And um, it's really cold, sub-zero, and we have church anyway. Or we, uh, maybe we came to church, and then it blizzards, and so you get caught, right? And I'm the last one out of the building, and I lock up, and there you are with your car, and the hood is up, and you can't get it started. And uh, I, I turn my car on remote, and so it's nice and warm, and I go out to my car, and I get in, and I drive up to where you are, and you're out of your car, and I roll my window down, but just a little bit, because I don't want the cold air coming in, 
And so I talk kind of in that little crack to you. And I say, hey, you, you got problems? And you say, yeah, I got some. I uh, can't get my car to start. And, and, I, and I say, that's a bummer because it's really cold out there, isn't it? And you're like, yeah, it's really cold. And I said, you ought to put a hat on because you don't have a hat. And I sure hope that starts. And I've got to get to lunch, so good luck with that. And I hope you don't freeze to death. Okay, uh, see ya. Now, how would you feel if you were the person who's out in the cold, who needs help, and nobody helps you? And the person that could help you, because I have jumper cables. Daddy told me to always have jumper cables, so I, have jump- I, could, I could probably get you started if I wanted to. What James is saying is, what good is your faith if you don't do anything with it? If you see people in need, and listen, listen, listen. I understand that we can't help everybody. But just because we can't help everybody doesn't mean we shouldn't help somebody. God puts people in our path that we can help. And when we have opportunity to help, I think you help. Jesus, there's a story of Jesus healing a guy, and he walked through other people who needed to be healed to heal this one guy. He didn't heal everybody. He could have, he just didn't. I can't help everybody. You can't help everybody. But just because we can't help everybody doesn't mean then we just say, well, I'm not going to help anybody. I think there are times when God pricks our hearts and we are compelled to help, and that's when you help. And this is what James is talking about here. Hey, if you have this ability, you should help. John said it too. He said, if anyone has material possessions and sees his brother or sister in need, and he's talking about fellow Christians, by the way, in need, but has no pity on him, how can the love of God be in him? If you see people who are your friends, who are fellow Christians in need, and you don't help, you, gotta, you better check your heart. Is Jesus even really there? And then James, uh, John goes on, if we love our brothers and sisters who are believers, it proves that we have passed from death to life, but a person who has no love is still dead. I mean, this is... This is real. One of the reasons you become a, a, a member of a church, a partner in, uh, with a church, is because the church family is a place where you help one another. At the end of this service, as soon as we're done, I'm going to ask some of you guys if you want to. Um, my little friend Hallie is going to have surgery. She's four years old. She's having surgery on Tuesday. And her grandparents are here, and they told me about it. And, and if you want to help pray over her, we're going to pray for her because that's what families do. Four years, little four-year-old, she's got problems with her eyes. She's got to have a pretty in, invasive surgery on her eye on Tuesday. We, we, as a family, we help one another. And when you join a family, you have family responsibilities. And so at my house, I have chores, and Miriam has chores, and that's how it works. And, you know, I do all the hard stuff, and she cooks and cleans. Uh, that's kind of how it works. That's kind of how it works for us. <laughs> and James says, so you see, faith by itself isn't enough. Unless it produces good deeds, it is dead and useless. Being a, a follower of Christ, it's more than just saying you're a follower of Christ. And it's more than just feeling you're a follower of Christ. And thirdly, it's more than just knowledge. Now, some of you argue, 
Some people have faith, others have deeds, but I say, how can you show me your faith if you don't have good deeds? I'll show you my faith by the good deeds that I do. There are people who want to dissect the Bible, they want to uh, debate, and they want to chat about it, and they want to study it and discuss it, and they've gone to a million Bible studies, and if you go to their house on their li- in their library, if they have a bookshelf, they have Bible studies, Beth Moore and whoever else, and they've studied the Bible from cover to cover, and they know all about it, and they know the Greek, and they know how to parse the verbs, and they know all this stuff, and they have tons of knowledge, and yet they don't do anything with it. The Bible is a great tool that God gives us, but we need to do something with what we read in the Bible. We, we see examples of this. People who know stuff, they're just mean, right? They're just mean with their faith. Westboro, Baptist Church, I wish they, just, I wish they were something other than Baptist, don't you? Because they have these signs, these are the ones I could actually bring, put on the slide. I mean, they have other stuff, I couldn't even put on a slide because it was just so disgusting. This is pretty disgusting. They... they They claim to have faith. Here's the thing about faith. It's odorless and weightless and invisible. And the only way you can tell if you have it is if you do something with it. I I, I like this quote. Faith is like calories. You can't see them, but you can see the results of them. Uh, that's That's a pretty good quote. If I were to say to you, my health is extremely important to me, and you were to quiz me about that, well, okay, well, then do you eat right? No. Do you exercise? No. Take your vitamins? Mm, no. Nah. Do you get enough sleep? Mm, uh-uh. Do you control the amount of cholesterol? Mm, no. But my health is really important to me. Now, what's the word that you, comes to your mind if I say my health is really important to me, but I don't do anything about it? What's the word? <laughs> idiot? Uh, hypocrite was what I was looking for, but I like idiot. That, that'll work. Because it needs... My, my words need to result in doing something, right? i got to do something with what I say, I believe. The, the FDA in 2014 said that we had to start putting the calories on menus and stuff. So here's the calorie right there. Ooh, I get to use my whole right there, calories. Now, the notion around this was if you put the calorie count on there... <laughs> Everything on there is bad, by the way. Uh, if you put the calorie count on there, that if, if I can compare, um, the Double Mac cheeseburger uh, has 9 billion calories, and the chicken salad has 3 calories, I'll, I'll choose chicken salad. And 70, about 75% of Americans thought this was a great idea. They, they really were for this. And so this started in 2014, and it, it is, maybe it is a good idea. The only problem is 31, 31 independent researchers did studies on how effective this was, and this was the conclusion. Calorie labels do not have the desired effect in reducing total calorie ordered. We, we have the information. It's, it's known as this, information without application. I know it, I just don't do it. I know to wear my seatbelt, but I don't wear it. I know to eat right, but I don't do it. I know what the Bible says, but it's inconvenient. I know what the Bible says, but I'd rather do this. I, I know the Bible teaches this. I know Jesus said that, but you know, I really would rather do this. It's information without application. 
And look at this verse. Paul, back to Paul, says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. New things have come. When we become followers of Jesus, it changes the way we do things. And, and I, if what I say doesn't look like what I do, then what I say really it doesn't matter. Actions, what's the expression? Actions speak louder than words. There's a quote, Jimmy Carter, in a book that uh, the title was, Why Not the Best, said he was in church one time and somebody asked, if you were arrested for being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict you? That's a, that's a really probing question. Could, could somebody make a case against you because of what you do, how you live? James is basically saying, okay, you say you're a follower of Christ. Well, then show that you're a follower of Christ. We have to understand the environment in which James writes these words. We live in a probably a post-Christian society, but Christianity isn't outlawed here. Um, you know that when James writes these words, they're on the cusp of Nero becoming the emperor, and he makes Christianity illegal. And people who are Christians, and it's illegal in some parts of the world today, by the way, but he makes it so that if you're a Christian, you are put in jail, they fed you in the Colosseums, they would put Christians out with wild animals and they would be torn apart. Nero was such a whack job that one of the things he did was he would put coats uh, that had been dipped in uh, oil in pitch and he would impale Christians on a pole and light them afire to, to alight his gardens. It's in this particular circumstance that James is saying you have to live out your faith when living out your faith was really dangerous it's not dangerous for us it's costly but it's not dangerous for, for James to say hey you, you got to live out your faith you can't just say it can't just be a secret Christian you got to do something with it the fourth thing Real faith is more than just believing. I've got to act on my belief. You say you have faith, for you believe that there is one God. Good for you. Even the demons believe this, and they tremble in terror. How foolish. Can't you see that faith without good deeds is useless? And James continues to hammer the message. Look, that's great, that's great, that's great. You have faith, you believe right on. And honestly... If, if we would admit it, it is hard not to believe in a God because when you look at creation, and we live in one of the most beautiful places in the world. I, I love living here. I love it when I drive into work and I can see the mountains, <laughs> which, which hasn't happened for several days. Uh, but uh, when you have that opportunity and you see the mountains around or you drive up to Asheville and mountains everywhere and it's just beautiful and it's green and leafy and perfect, or you go to a waterfall and you... Th I mean, how do you see this stuff that God has done and not go in? This, there is a great master craftsman who's created these things. And I think James is saying, look, you, you believe that there's a God. Well, sure, who doesn't believe there's a God? Most everybody believes there's a God. Because this place is amazing. It's not just what you believe. What are you going to do with what you believe? And there's that old... 
illustration where a guy would put a chair on the stage and he said, do you believe this will hold you up? And, and you say, yes. And he says, well, sit in it because you're, you're really not going to know until you put your weight on the chair. And we believe there's a God and we believe that he can do things and, and that we believe he can save us and we believe he can change our lives and we believe that we can follow him and that he has a path for us. But until we actually start to live it, we just start talking about believing. It, it, it's just words. And so James says, listen, it's, it's not just about words and it's not about feelings. It's not about just knowledge. Real faith is something I do. And then he gives these illustrations. He gives these powerful illustrations. He talks about Abraham and Rahab. And you talk about polar opposites. These people are polar opposites. If you don't know the stories, Abraham um, is, obviously he's male, Rahab is female. Um, Abraham is Jewish, Rahab is not Jewish, she's a Gentile. Uh, Abraham is a, a patriarch, Rahab is a prostitute. I mean, you talk about uh, a guy that is somebody and a, and a lady that is, isn't somebody. I mean, she's a nobody. And, and you've got these polar opposites. And I think James picks these people who are Old Testament biblical characters on purpose because he wants to make a point. Wherever you are on the scale, it really doesn't matter that you have prominence or you don't have prominence. You can have wealth or not have wealth. It really doesn't even matter. None of that matters. What he's saying is, hey, listen, these two illustrations show you that what it takes isn't words, it's deeds. And so then he... He goes on, he says, Abraham, don't you remember our ancestor Abraham was shown to be right with God by his actions when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see, his faith and his actions worked together. His actions made his faith complete. And so it happened just as the scriptures say. Abraham believed God and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. He was even called the friend of God. And in this what I consider an odd story. God asks Abraham to sacrifice his son. Now, it, many times we get a picture in our minds that Abraham is an old man uh, and, and his son Isaac is a little boy. It's likely that Isaac was a teenager or a, in his 20s. And they, they go to this mountain and they have no sacrifice, but they do have the wood for the sacrifice. And Abraham and Isaac, they go off. And Abraham is going to sacrifice Isaac. And it is likely that Isaac knew why they were going out to sacrifice. And Abraham told the servants, the boy and I will travel a little further. We will worship there. And then we will come right back. And Abraham believed that God was going either to provide a substitute for Isaac, or if he had to sacrifice his son, that God would resurrect his son. And figuratively, he did. You, you talk about faith. This was faith to the point where he was willing to sacrifice his son. Rahab, on the other hand, it says Rahab the prostitute is another example. She was shown to be right with God by her actions when she hid those messengers and sent them safely away by a different road. The Israelites had just come out of Egypt. They were looking to go into the promised land. They sent spies into the promised land to scout out things. While they were in the land, people noted them and noticed them, and they had to hide, and they hid. 
in Rahab's apartment. And she hid them and she asked them if they would remember her when they overtook the town. And so she risked her life for the sake of others. This is putting your faith into action. See, our, our faith isn't determined by what we do. Our faith is demonstrated by what we do. I, I don't work my way to heaven. But once Christ comes into my heart, it changes how I live. There, there's an organization called Asian Access. They're a Christian organization in South Asia. It's hard to be a Christian in many of these countries. And in one particular area where the Hindus are militant, pastors will ask a series of questions before they baptize somebody. Now, next week we have baptism. If you want to be baptized, I'd love to talk to you about it. I'm going to hang out after the service, and you can come chat with me. We're going to set up a, a baptistry right over here. Uh, we're going to do it after the second service. It's going to be awesome if you want to know about it. Baptism is a way of, of going public with your faith. Just like works don't save us, baptism doesn't save us. But it is an, a visible expression of what's happened in our life. And so when you go under the water, it's symbolic of you dying to yourself and being raised in Christ. And before in these countries where it's dangerous to be a Christian, these pastors will ask a series of questions. And these are the questions. Are you willing to leave home and lose the blessing of your father? And in a patriarchal society, that's a big, big deal. But then it gets even worse. Are you willing to lose your job because you're a Christian? Are you willing to go to the village and to those who persecute you and forgive them and share the love of Christ with them? Are you willing to give an offering to the Lord? Are you willing to be beaten rather than deny your faith? Are you willing to go to prison for your faith? Are you willing to die for Jesus? I didn't get asked these questions when I got baptized. I mean, <laughs> that's something. This is what people in certain parts of the world have to deal with just to become a follower of Christ. For us, it's almost too easy. Although it's getting harder. James says, just as the body is dead without breath, so faith is dead without good works. Some people will say, it doesn't matter what you do as long as you believe. I put my faith in Christ and now I can live the way I want to. Jesus is my Savior, maybe not my Lord. That's kind of old school language. He saved me and eventually I'm going to get around to following. Right? But I, I got my insurance policy. I, I prayed a prayer. I have insurance. So I won't go to hell. And now I'm just going to do what I want to do. Someday maybe I'll follow. But I do, I mean, it doesn't matter what you do as long as you believe. And James is like, yeah, that's wrong. The, the other side of the, the coin is, um, I'm doing the right things, therefore I know I'm saved. Well, you don't need a savior if you're doing the right things. If, if you're winning your way to salvation, you're not really putting your faith in Jesus, you're putting your faith in you. And, and so James is like, oh, let me, let me clear up the confusion. Faith, if it's not accompanied by works, is dead. If I might, let's go right back to the Ephesians text. And we'll end with this. 
Paul writes, it is by grace you've been saved through faith. This is not of yourself, it is a gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. All right, we already looked at that. Salvation is through faith, but look why we're saved. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do what? To do what? Good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. We're not saved simply to enjoy the benefits of salvation. We're saved to be a part of a family, and when you're part of a family, you got stuff to do. You have family responsibilities. That's what James is saying. Look, you're part of the family, so do something. Do something. It, it raises the question, all right, so what, I do good works. I look for opportunities. I listen to God. He provides those opportunities for me, and I take those opportunities. I do them. Nobody's doing it perfectly. Nobody does it perfectly. So don't beat yourself up. Oh, I missed that opportunity. Well, I missed opportunities too. I love God because he just keeps forgiving me for missed opportunities, and he keeps giving me more opportunities. We have to take the opportunities God gives us, and if we miss one, take the next one. But be sensitive Faith, if it is not accompanied by good works, is dead. I don't want a dead faith. You don't either. We want our faith to show. Father, we thank you for these words. They are powerful and convicting, and I pray that we might live out our faith and not just talk about our faith. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.